Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 15, or Luke 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Jesus, his disciples, the apostles, had just asked him, teach us to pray as John has taught his disciples. He taught them the Lord's Prayer, and this passage then follows on the heels of that. Verse 5. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midday and says to him, or at midnight, at midnight, and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from the inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked, is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray. Our Father, O oh God, we thank You that we come before You, our heavenly Father. We thank You, O oh God, that You are the one who hears prayers. Not only do You hear our prayers, Father, but You take great joy in answering those prayers in such a way that will bring honor and glory to you and great blessing to us. Now guide us, O Lord, this evening as we look at this passage. We confess, O God, that apart from you, the scriptures remain closed to our understanding. But we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the Holy Spirit to illumine our minds, to be able to see what you are saying to us, so bless us to that end this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How confident are you in your prayers? Now if I ask you, do you believe God answers prayer? I suspect that every one of you would raise your hand. But the real question is, do you believe God answers your prayers? You see, that, that's where it gets a little shaky. We're confident in the general picture. But when it comes down to us personally, then we, uh, you know, well, I think, yeah, usually, uh, most likely, we start to equivocate a little bit. 
I know personally I'm constantly amazed at how little I understand grace as it applies to my prayer life. Another question I would ask you, would you say that you are bold in your prayers? When, when you've just blown it, you've known the right thing to do, you prayed about the right thing to do, in one sense, you really wanted to do the right thing. <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? And then you just blew it. Well, when you come to Him, right after that, do you come confidently? Or are you back on that shaky ground? Do you ask God for great things? Now again, there's an interesting dynamic here. Many times we ask God for great things in a generalized sense. But you know as a parent, do you know what prayer request shook me the most? Daddy, I lost my ball. Will you pray that we find it? <laughs> he said, really? Why did that shake you? Because we were going to pray, and then we were going to go look for that ball, and we were either going to find it or we weren't going to find it. There, there was no in-between. It wasn't like, well, will you bless me this coming week? And then we go, okay, now, I, surely, certainly in this next week, I can find some place God blessed me. But that ball was going to be found, or it wasn't going to be found. Prayer. Would you feel comfortable praying Psalm 512 with yourself in mind? This is David's prayer. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Well, guess who David was considering the righteous man? Have you ever prayed as David does in Psalm 7-8 where he says... Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Now, that points us somewhere, and we'll, we'll, we'll see that as we go through this sermon tonight. But there are times we simply don't feel worthy to pray and ask God for whatever it is that we're asking for. But the key to that is very simple. We're not worthy. There isn't a one of us here tonight that can come before God and say, Lord, as David prayed, based on my integrity, answer my prayer. Because it points us to Jesus Christ. And that's the key to understanding how David could pray what we would consider such audacious prayers. But you know, as we pray, we have a tendency to confuse timidity with humility. We get those two mixed up. We confuse arrogance with confidence. And so what happens, our, our boldness or any serious aggressiveness in our prayer begins to go by the wayside because we have a tendency in our culture 
to understand an aggressive person as a somewhat arrogant person. And humility, we, we just don't associate boldness with humility. Because we've confused that with what I think the scripture, what we call timidity. So I think we need to meditate on Romans 5, 2, where it says, We have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. We live in a pool of grace. Or we swim in a pool of grace. But it's not a pool that we dug or filled. We, are, we enter that pool by faith. And that faith is in Jesus Christ. So how should that truth direct my prayer life and your prayer life? Jesus taught his disciples how to pray via a model that we call today the Lord's Prayer. And now he continues to instruct them in having confidence in prayer. And he addresses two different areas of confidence. One, that they need to pray shamelessly. Jesus tells a parable. Now allow me to uh, make sort of a contemporary, or to contemporaryize it, if that's a word. You've gotten home. You had a long, hard day. Nothing went right. You're exhausted. You're looking forward to a night's rest. And so you actually go to bed or you drop in the bed at 8.30. One of those nights that you say, I'll brush my teeth in the morning. But a friend from down the street knocks on your door about midnight and you say, I don't believe it. I'm not answering that door. There's no way. Well, then he, he stops that quiet. And then, bing bong, bing bong, the doorbell starts ringing. I'm not answering that. I don't care what he does. And pretty soon he hears, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, are you awake? Like, yeah, right, I'm sleeping through this. Hey, wake up, I need a favor. A friend of mine just came into town from St. Louis, and I'm out of food, I need to borrow three TV dinners. And from inside you say, don't bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are in bed. Well, now, obviously by this time the children are not sleeping anymore. I cannot get up and give you anything. But he begins to raise his voice. Now you think, oh no, I don't believe this. He's going to wake the neighbors. The neighbor's dog starts barking. You look out your window, you see a light go on in the next house next to you. You say, good heaven, he's embarrassing the tar out of me. Well, persistence. You know, the word persistence means shameless. And what this passage says is 
your buddy on the porch is shameless. He is convinced he needs those TV dinners and he doesn't care if he has to embarrass you, your family, your neighbors. He needs though that food. Well, are you confident enough in God's love for you that you will pray and pray and pray and pray until God answers you? Or once you have prayed, are, are you too ashamed by your sins if that's the case? Or too ashamed that, that you, you keep going back again and again? Are you afraid that you might get scolded by God in some way? That He might be irritated with you? And so you sort of figuratively say, well, I'll just send Him a text. That's safer. If you have the confidence to come shamelessly before God with boldness. And if you're praying in accordance with the Lord's Prayer, you're praying... Seeking His will. Seeking His help. Then I believe that we can come and approach the throne of grace in that way. Because, you see, it's not based on our righteousness. He's not hearing you because of what you've done, what you've promised to do. You know, I, I really don't think God is greatly moved when we put Him in a box. You know, Lord, if you answer this prayer, then I will increase my tithe 2% for the next year. Well, what's the flip side of that? Lord, if, if I concluded you haven't answered my prayer, I may just decrease it 2% for the next year. I don't think God's impressed with that. But what God is impressed with and what moves God is the righteousness of His Son. What moves the Father is remembering Christ on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then moments later saying, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. That impresses God and it's in His righteousness that we come before Him. Listen to Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. The word sympathize means to have compassion. Jesus Christ walked the walk that we have to walk. He was tempted in every way as we. Now that doesn't mean each and every little incident of temptation. But it means all the emotions that go along with it. That tempt us to take action. He was tempted to anger. He was tempted to lust. He was tempted to pride. He was tempted to fear and anxiety. And he experienced all those temptations. And yet without sin. But... He suffered as a man, as the God-man. Now, a little point of theology that we many times overlook or misunderstand. 
People tend to think that, well, when you say Jesus understands, yeah, that's fine. And that he was tempted in all ways as we. Yeah, but he was God. I've had people say that to me. I say, well, listen, no one else may understand but God does. Yeah, but he was God. That's bad theology. Because if he was tempted in all ways as we, that means he had to be tempted fully as a man. Without some divine intervention in his humanity. We think of the two natures of Christ sort of as interlocked like the Olympic circles. But the confession says that there are two, that the two natures were not mingled or confused. That means that when he faced temptation, he faced it the same way as you and I face it. Fully as a man. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us how he faced that. He said, it, it says he took, he took the needs or he trusted himself to him who judges righteously. That means at that very point where you and I start to waver and sometimes cave in, Jesus was faithful and he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges righteously. And when he was tempted again, he entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. But he was tempted in every way as you and I are tempted. And yet without sin. And so he is able to have compassion on us. He knows what we need and he knows when we need it. And he answers prayer because he understands. Verse 16 in Hebrews. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That means that we can have confidence to shamelessly, if you will, bother God with our prayer requests because He is our friend. Now Luke continues, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. That's God's promise. There's a growing intensity that we see in, in the verbs here. Ask, seek, knock. And the mood of the verbs, they're what's called a present imperative. It, it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't let up. Now, Jesus tells us in a very forceful way to pray aggressively without shame and with the confidence with which you would approach a close friend. Now, there is, I think there's a warning here. Don't get caught up on all the questions. Uh, well, does this mean that I can pray for anything I want and get it? The answer is no. Jesus just instructed us to pray, Thy will be done. But we can come humbly, and we should come humbly, before the throne. We don't want to lose the point of the passage, which in a multitude of questions, because it's easy to do that. We can come to a passage with all kinds of theoretical questions. 
And by the time we're done asking the theoretical question, we haven't really grasped the central point of the passage. Think of Jacob, who refused to let go of the angel until he blessed him in Genesis 32. Or Hannah, who prayed so passionately that Eli thought she was drunk in 1 Samuel 1. I'm always amazed by Abraham. You know, when, he, when he's praying, I think it's Genesis 18. And he starts with 50. And he just bargains God down. Was it, I think it's five? I mean, I read that and I, I get nervous just reading it. But that's boldness in prayer. Or how about the widow in Luke 18 who pestered the ungodly ruler so long that he finally says, and this is in the context of Jesus teaching us to pray. He says in Luke 18, 4 and 5, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I'll give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually bothering her coming, she's going to wear me out. Jesus tells that parable as a, an encouragement for us to be persistent in our prayer life. And so I believe that we can come shamelessly in Christ and persistently with a confidence that we'll not quit. We say, well, I, I, I just don't want to, uh, you know, I don't know, I, wanna, I don't want to be arrogant, I don't want to pester God. You know, I doubt if any of us in here are such prayer warriors that we have to worry about praying too much. I mean, I, that's just a suspicion. It's kind of like, you know, say, well, you don't want to be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. Well, I don't think that's an issue today. I think it's a real issue. Don't be so earthly minded. You're no heavenly good. So we need to be persistent as we come to the Lord. Second, pray expectantly. Notice Jesus has moved now from speaking of God as our friend who continually listens to us to God as our Father who loves us unconditionally. Verse 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give a scorpion, will he? Now the fish could have been confused for an eel. A scorpion, when it rolls up, might be confused for a, a small egg, brown egg, something of that nature. But the point is not that the snake or the scorpion would harm the child. If it were alive, it could harm the father as well, who's uh, handling it. But the point is, trust versus deceit. Trust versus deceit. When you and I pray persistently, God will bless you with good. He doesn't play games with us. He doesn't say, okay, watch this. I'll lead this person on. And then he stands back and says, 
like, like he's hiding behind a tree as we run past and sort of sticks his foot out and falls. But see, <laughs> I told you. He's not playing games with us. He desires to do us good. Psalm 106.15 says, So he gave them their request, but sent a wasting disease upon him. So yes, that's right. I know that passage. And so I don't want to be too persistent. Because these people were persistent. And God finally said, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. And he sent a wasting disease upon them. And so we sort of stepped back. Okay, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be too pushy with God. Well, I don't think we need to fear. Not if our heart is right. We need to read in Psalm 106, verses 13 and 14, just what was the spiritual condition of the Israelites at that point and what was going on. Here's what precedes that verse. Quote, They forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They craved intensely. They tempted God. That's what precedes that verse. And yet I hear that verse at times presented as reasons why, well, we better not push too hard because remember what happened to the Israelites. He gave them what they wanted. Yeah, because they had a rebellious, angry heart. But as a Christian, as someone who is truly seeking God's will, I believe that we can be persistent in our prayers. We, we don't have to worry about, well... Boy, I'd love to be married, uh, but if I push God too hard on this one, uh, I'm just liable to wind up single for the rest of my life. Or, well, I better not pray too hard for success because God may just let me fall flat on my face. Or kids, how about this, kids? Well, I've been praying for a dog. I might get you parents in trouble here, by the way. I've been praying for a dog, but, but I, I better not pray too hard for a dog because I just know if I do, he's going to give me a cat. Now, you can reverse that. <laughs> you can be praying for a cat and get a dog. Uh, I'm not against cats. But sometimes we just think that if we pray too hard, if we're too aggressive, if we're pouring our heart out before God, too aggressively, that He's going to give us the opposite. He's going to punish us in some way for that. And I think we need to set that thought aside. Because our Heavenly Father loves us and He is trustworthy. And we can pray fervently and expectantly with confidence. Jesus sets up a comparison in verse 13. If you then, being evil, He's going to argue from the lesser to the greater, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You and I are evil. In and of ourselves, our hearts are evil. And yet, we know how to give good gifts to our children. And Jesus says, how much more? How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He speaks here, I think, of the Holy Spirit because that's the greatest gift that He can give us and that He has given us. And by implication, it includes every other gift. 
which is less than that. And that includes physical blessings. Paul makes the same point in Romans 8.32 when he says, Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Your Heavenly Father loves you very dearly. He loved you enough to send his only begotten son. We can pray expectantly, looking forward to his answers with great confidence and trust. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord God, forgive us when we come before your throne of grace as though somehow we are interlopers or orphans. Teach us, O Lord, to pray fervently, to come persistently before your throne with all humility, realizing it's only in Christ that we can do that. But, Father, we are in Christ. And so teach us to be bold and aggressive. And might you hear our prayers and answer us consistent with the Father who has loved us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.